Hi everyone, I'm Claire Liu and I'm the CEO of Know Your Team and I am psyched today to have a very special guest. I have Cap Watkins who is the founder of a leadership and organizational consulting firm called Practical Works. But you might best know Cap for being the former VP of design at BuzzFeed and being a design leader at Etsy. And I know I'm a big fan of Cap's writing and his work. Uh, we recently were on I think like a design leadership uh, late night show on YouTube, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was my first time doing something like that, but an absolute blast. And so thrilled to ask Cap this one question about leadership, both having been a leader and then also getting to give advice to a lot of leaders. So Cap, thanks for, for joining me today. No, totally. Thanks for asking me to come on. You bet. Okay, so here's the question I've got for you that I've been asking leaders who I admire, which is, what's one thing you wish you would have learned earlier as a leader? Just one thing? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) asterisks, yeah. Um, um, Well, you and I talked about this a little bit. I I think I have two answers to this. I have one that's what I wish I had learned, and then something I think I've seen... Um, a lot of people that I talk to kind of learning as we're talking. Hmm. Um, okay. I think the thing for me personally was uh, I wish I had learned sooner how to balance out the needs of like the business with the needs of the people I was managing. Um, I think I went into management uh, kind of from the perspective of like I'd had some bad managers in the past. I'd been treated kind of badly um, and I wanted to really understand why it was so hard to be a good manager. Why why it was hard to like support people that you manage. Why it was hard to tell them what was going on for real, like, uh, and that kind of thing. And then I became a manager and realized that you can do whatever you want, basically, and be whoever you want to be. Huh. Um, and so, uh, and so I approached it though from like the kind of like doing the opposite of what my old managers had done. Sure. And so I think what kind of that meant was a lot of them were probably going at it purely from a business perspective, and that's why I had such a bad time. Um, but that meant that by doing the opposite, I was coming at it purely from an empathetic perspective, hmm. um, which led me into situations, I think, where like I might have been defending my team or the people on my team, even in situations where maybe they were wrong or maybe like I need, what I should have been doing was helping them understand maybe like more why something was happening or why we needed to take things in a certain direction. Um, but then I would like kind of like refuse to do that. And I didn't learn that until like I think think just much later than I wish I would have. Yes. Um, and it made me more effective to find that balance between business stuff and the kind of more like, like when to shield people and when not to. Hmm. Um, that's fascinating. Going on. I, I yeah. no, I was like, <laughs> uh, I, I can talk. I, there are a million questions I have uh, on that. So if you want, we can, we can start there and then circle back to the thing that you feel like, uh, people have, um, are telling you constantly here. Here's the thing that I'm learning. I mean, Cap, what you're talking about is incredibly counterintuitive. It's this idea that uh, for so many of us as leaders, our model for leadership is usually in reaction to something that we've seen or experienced, usually something positive or something negative. In many cases, actually, this is true for myself, negative, (laughs) very, very negative. And so you go, oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be that person. But what you're describing is that you can actually overcompensate for uh, that reaction. And uh, and what's counterintuitive about what you're sharing is that I think it's very popular, and rightfully so, to take a very empathetic, people-centered approach 
Um, you, you know, we're supportive of that, of course, here at Know Your Team. But I think also you're, you're saying that um, it can go too far, right? So yeah, tell totally. me, I mean, so tell me, well, how do you know, how do you know the difference? Like, where do you, how can you draw, how do you know how to draw that line then? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of tough. I think I'm kind of making this up. It's like, it's, I'm, I'm retroing a lot, retroactively applying this, uh, logic. Um, but I think some of it is about kind of respecting the people that you manage a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I think there's like, um, like something that always helped me was when someone gave me critical feedback or explained to me why something was happening, even if I didn't like it, like, even if there was like, I disagreed with it or whatever. Um, I, you know, looking back grew a lot through those moments where someone was actually able to like level with me, um, whether it was about me or about something happening to my team or whatever. Um, and I think denying people when you do that thing that I'm talking about, where you like, just like flat out defend the people that you manage no matter what, like to the death, um, you're denying them, like, first of all, access to, like what will help them grow into leaders. Cause as a leader, you have to mm-hmm. understand that balance. You need to understand those objectives. You need to be able to adjust and like pivot yourself around to like, to meet those objectives or change the business. Um, something I think about a lot is like, if I defend my team and they all feel good, but the business fails because we didn't adjust, like sure. then why, then we don't have jobs now. Right? right. So like, what did it matter that I like defended them until the end? Right. Do you know what I mean? So yes, I do. the balance there is like, I want the business to be successful so we can continue to hire more designers, so we can continue to hire more engineers, so we can have a bigger team and like work with more people and build more cool stuff. Um, and in order for that to happen, there are like changes sometimes to strategy or changes to teams or whatever that we need to make. Um, and then what I need to do with people that I manage is like not just do it because that's the thing I think that screwed with me so much when I was like coming up was like I wouldn't no one explain it to me it would just happen. You know, hmm. um, and I think trying to say like, I will give you exposure to everything I'm learning about why we're doing this to contextualize it for you. And now we can disagree about it or whatever. Um, but at least you kind of understand more than you did before. And even if you don't realize it for two or three years down the road in your career, at some point you're going to be faced with a similar decision and you're going to go like, oh, I'm familiar with because I've been told about these things before by people when it's happened to me. Um, and again, I think you can approach it empathetically. You don't approach it cold. You know, like I understand when a decision is going to be unpopular or when it's going to upset somebody or maybe frustrate them. And I think even just acknowledging that up front is very helpful. And you can, I think there's a way to do both, I guess is what I'm saying. You don't have to like choose to completely just like draw from your team emotionally you know, you have to choose between that and like going all in on just your team. I think you can kind of like find a good between there. Absolutely, that is a spectrum, and they're not necessarily mutually exclusive or even at odds with one another. I think one thing that uh, I've I've heard a lot of leaders who I've interviewed over the past few years, you know, talk about is that yes, when you optimize for your team to feel good, then perhaps the business suffers. But at the same time, people feel. Uh, when people feel good, they actually perform better. So the the business performs better at the same time. So yes. I always have found that to be such an interesting paradox. So uh, and yeah. and you know I I always wonder you know, in in your opinion, Cap. You know if if you were sort of put on the spot right now and asked like which do you put first, 
right? Do you put the business results first? Do you put how people are feeling about how to achieve those results first? Or is, you know, is that even the wrong question? And like you were saying, is there really just truly a spectrum? Um, if it came down to it, down to down to it, I think you put the business results first. I mean, like you have to. And I think the way that it manifests itself towards your team is like, I think you need to get them to buy into it too. It can't just be that like, I'm sitting there going like, the business results matter to me. <laughs> like it has to be that I've done the work over time and hired people who care about the business we're creating. Um, this is something I talk to people about when I'm hiring them is like, what is the business we're in? Like, what does success look like for us? Um, to make sure they understand what they're getting into, right? So like at Etsy, it's like, when Etsy sells things, like, our sellers make money, Etsy makes money, yeah. right? That's a big, that's awesome. Like, I think that's a cool mission. Like, a huge portion of that money goes directly to sellers. It feels good, right? And then you come to Etsy and it's like, oh, well, we're doing work that maybe I think is kind of boring. Hmm. And it's like, well, in those moments, I would like you to be able to go like, well, objectively, though, I'm aligned with this entire organization and the work I'm doing does feed into this, right? Right, into this work. Or when the company shuts down a project because it isn't being that successful, Going like, well, I don't want us working on stuff that doesn't help the people, our customers, right? Um, so I think trying to get your team hyper aligned on business objectives makes those conversations simpler. Yes. Um, and again, it doesn't have to divorce the empathy at all. Like right. I can still, I understand it sucks. It sucks. Like I, you know, things change. Change sucks. Period. Totally. Forever. Like no matter what, you know. And so I think there's a, uh, it's not even a balance. It's just trying to get everybody aligned on the same goal in the end. And so. The, then like your, your goal isn't your one little thing you're working on. It's like this bigger objective that like we're all feeding into, you know? Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. I think if someone asked me this question, I would say, absolutely. You know, you have to focus on the results first because that's kind of the reason you're there as the leader, right? Right. That's what, that's what the money's for. Well, it's to achieve the the goal. (laughs) It's like, you know, you're not, I mean, to be, to be very blunt, you know, you're not there to be people's cheerleaders or their friend, or their family, or staff, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're trying to help them achieve, you know, achieve this goal. And I think because of that, you want them to feel connected to the work, understand, you know, how their work fits into the bigger picture. You know, you want to approach things from empathy, because it actually helps you get the results uh, better. And the person feels good when they do achieve, achieve the results. So I, I I think it's, I'm right with you, and I think it sometimes becomes blurry when you have to tell someone something they don't want to hear, or you have to make a difficult decision, or you don't, you know you're not allowed you know you can't protect someone from something that they might not want to be exposed uh, to. I guess uh, for you, Cap, do you notice? Um, or actually, let me ask this. So one thing that you mentioned is how that this insight has developed because of, again, this reaction to a bad boss. In the work that you've been doing in advising different leaders, how much of an influence have you noticed that previous bosses have had on the way people choose to lead? This is something I've been really interested in lately. Is, is this something that happens a lot, yeah, do you think? I, I think it does. I, and I, like I said, like you said earlier, I think it happens in both directions yeah you know i know people who are mirroring behavior that they've seen that they agree with or align with um I, even like people who become who become the new head or whatever yes structuring their teams in ways that they're familiar with like that's even that's like a very straightforward example um 
even if like the organization they are in is not necessarily like conducive to that particular like way they want to set it up. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I do. Yeah. And I think that kind of like, that's a very new manager type thing where it's like, I'm being handed this thing and like, well, I, I'm going to lean on what I know from the past uh, because it feels comfortable to me, something that worked for me. Um, but I think as you like, hopefully as we all grow and like evolve in these roles, like uh, we start to get more and more tools so like, I think it's, it's at a point where you're lacking the tools. All you have is experience. And so you're leaning on those experiences either in the positive or negative. Yes. Uh, and then over time, developing the tools um, so you're not running purely off of instinct or off of a singular experience you had Absolutely. Uh, is kind of what I typically have seen. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I think you're you're spot on. That's that's something that I've noticed as well with the leaders that we've worked with. And what I what I'm curious to know, and I'm sure everyone who's watching this is curious to know, is so how do you sort of self-correct for that tendency? If you're leaning on experience instead of the tools and the frameworks, perhaps you know that you you learn and pick up over time, or from talking to people, or et cetera. Uh, what advice do you have for new managers who might be overly biased by just their prior exposure to leadership? Well, I think that the thing that helped me a lot is uh, assuming I might be wrong. Hmm. <laughs> it's very helpful. Yes. Um, I, uh, so when I started at BuzzFeed, I had never like run an entire design team before, like on my, my own. Yes. Like I had been like a part of a management team previously. Um, I'd had people to lean on. We had a boss who ran the whole design team. Like we had a good, like I was protected. I had like a, I had my bubble of influence, but that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so coming in, I was leaning on a lot of my past experiences. Like a lot of, I knew that a lot of the things we were, I was about to implement on this new team were going to be things that I had seen or done in the past. Like, cause I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, and I remember the first day or my first week, I was giving a presentation to the team about who I was. So they, to, to kind of like reduce the fear factor a little bit. Sure. Um, and I was going like, here's what I believe. Here's my like kind of philosophical, like here are the three things philosophically I feel very aligned about. Um, and then at the end I was like, and here's the deal. We're going to try some stuff. Like we're going to experiment with some things. It may make people uncomfortable. It may be different. Um, and all I'm asking is for people to number one, try and number two, tell me what's not working as soon as possible. Hmm. Like, because if it's not working or something's wrong, yeah. like the sooner I know, and I'm going to be wrong, I'm a person like with limited experiences, you know, like if something's not working or wrong or whatever, like the faster I know, the faster I'm willing to change it. And I yes. think that's the thing a lot of people don't feel like they can do um, as leaders or managers. They feel like they have to own the decision. They have to see it through. They have to kind of like forge the team into their way or way of thinking hmm. um, or way of doing things. And yes. I feel like that's uh, that leads into situations where you're just being way too brittle and you're not learning because you're not able to listen or see um, and you're not inviting that sort of criticism. And so I feel like that helped a lot because people would really quickly raise their hands to tell me like, like for instance, like our team grew and the critique structure broke. And like, I didn't sure. notice, you know, like I kind of noticed, but I didn't know how like urgent it was. And then somebody came to me and they're like, this doesn't feel like it's that effective anymore. And like, I was like, okay, so like, let's do something about it. And like, <laughs> you know, we all talked and like worked on it and fixed it. You know? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think that's just a thing you need to be able to get to as a place where you're open to criticism and you're like inviting it regularly, even from people who aren't above you or, or your peers, just absolutely. so you can like start to learn. Right. No, that progress, I mean, it, it, it 
it doesn't come without literally, like you said, assuming that maybe a lot of the assumptions that you have up front are wrong. So I think that's a a brilliant insight cap. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, You mentioned at the start of of this little chat that uh, you also have noticed something recurring from all the clients that you have, the things that they wish they would have learned earlier. I'd love to hear what that is, (laughs) or maybe many things. (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing that stuck out to me a lot recently, I've been meaning to write about it, um, but I've I've had a lot of people talking to me about um, kind of processed stuff, right? So like either like writing career tracks for their team or coming up with a recruiting, a way of recruiting quickly and efficiently um, or experimenting with design critique structures or product development ways of doing product development. Mm-hmm. And I had someone ask me recently, so th- this is the example I use, is someone asked me recently that I, I had worked with them before a long time ago. Okay. And this was back when I had like, I'd been developing a reputation at Etsy of like being a really good recruiter. I recruited really fast. I recruited really well. Um, and I kind of ran the process and ran all the, all, all the sourcing and stuff. And this person was asking me, because they were about to start embarking on their own recruiting adventure for the <laughs> first time. And they were like, so what was the trick? Like, how did you do it so fast? Like, how did that happen? And I was like, well, I sat down on my desk for hours a day and I scoured the internet and I wrote a ton of emails and I kept up with all those emails and I like had them in a Google doc and I just like started to describe the work involved. And the person was like, that can't be true. That just can't be true. And I was like, that is true. That is what it takes to like, to do it really fast and to do it really well, like, Yes, I have more, I'm better at now than I was when I started doing it, but it took a ton of work. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with career tracks. I think like I've seen a few times like people like taking either my career track or career track that I've open sourced or a career track from somewhere else and just like kind of plopping it into their organization. Um, and it feel, it, and it's not working, right? It like doesn't work as well as it should. Sure. And I think a lot, there's a lot of resources out there and probably now more than there's ever been for like all this kind of stuff. Like managers are sharing more than they've ever shared. I think this is great, it's a really good thing. But there's this like, there's a thing that I think people miss which is it it takes a lot of work to like make it right and to understand why something's happening and how to do it well. Um, And that's something that I've really uh, been blowing people's minds with lately is like that career track that's open sourced online was in development for three years and like it got iterated on every year, like multiple times, yes. like and tons of feedback. And that's why it's where it's at. And I still don't think it's very good. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's fine. Like right. we worked on it really hard. I think it worked for us, but I, would I use it again? I don't know. Like I might like change it a lot, um, depending on the situation. And I feel like this kind of like taking of resources and shortcutting is a thing that I feel like we could do less of. Um, and I think kind of almost like it's kind of a thing we were talking about earlier where it kind of harms your progress as a manager or leader to take that stuff verbatim without really seriously sitting down and going like, what do I think about this? Um, totally. Which kind of like on the side has another like side to it, which is I think like a lot of leaders I've talked to have never been challenged to think about what their philosophy is. And this is why these things happen. And mm-hmm. I think like this um, is like, like I said, when I started at BuzzFeed, I had a deck that I put together, and like I'm like, here are the three things you're going to hear from me until I'm gone, like forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's like transparency, collaboration, and like cross-disciplinary skill sets. Like those are the three things, and I'm not letting those go. Those are, that's my 
a leadership philosophy and like you should just know that going in that that's how i make decisions and like there's a lot of room there you can do a lot of stuff within that purview there's a lot of stuff outside of that that has nothing to do with that but like a lot of people don't think about that at all it's very sure. intuitive they like they're doing it without really saying it it's reactionary um, and sure. i think a lot yeah right and i think you know people being again very intentional about who am i as a leader what does that mean for things like career tracks? What does it mean for things like reviews? What does it mean for how we recruit? Like all, all of that like kind of comes back to who am I as a manager? And that's the thing a lot of people struggle with. And like, I think maybe don't even spend that much time on. And I think it's really important. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, all of us are as humans, you know, suckers for recipes and quick, quick paths to success. So anytime that you see, oh, here's an open source career track, or oh, here's what, you know, what worked uh, at this person, you sort of copy and paste it and sort of cross your fingers that it works. And your point is, you know what, do the work. And most importantly, do the self-reflection to figure out what you stand for, what matters to you as a leader, and how, based off of that, you want to make decisions going forward. So my, I guess my last question for you here then, Cap, is how do you know what you stand for? as a leader? How do you go about that process? Or for yourself, like when you were building that, that deck, right? Uh, what, 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 what went into that? That's a, that, that's a big question. I feel like my therapist would have a better answer to it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, um, I think a lot of, I might some actually talking about my therapist. She told me something once, which was that her job with me and a lot of people she works with <laughs> were to help people understand who they are better, that that is like the human condition that like we are always trying to like, we should all be trying to constantly understand ourselves a little bit better. Um, and when I wrote that deck, for instance, like I, the, the goal of the deck was to kind of demystify people so, so they didn't, they wouldn't have to be like you know confusion about what my expectations were they could expect certain things from me i wanted them to understand right um so that there wasn't a lot of confusion or like rumor um and so i sat down and had to write it for that reason it's not like i sat down like what's my philosophy let me (laughs) nail that down today i did in 30 minutes Um, yeah (laughs) right but i think like um going through that process of like i've people are caught up a lot in like what is this team now and so like that's my philosophy kind of like that's like they kind of back it out from what's happening currently um and i got lucky that that was like a fresh start for me i had no idea what it was like and so i didn't have to care i don't know bag i had no baggage mm-hmm. right um but for a lot of people they're in an org they're working a certain way and they're like well those are my values right they must be and it's actually not hmm. um so i always think about stuff like if you're in an org right now like if you could snap your fingers and change anything, what would it be? Or if someone were trying to snap their fingers and take something and you, you were going to lay down on the tracks in front of it, what would that be? Right. Do you know what I mean? Start to really think about like, what are your like non-negotiables? Hmm. Right. So it's like, uh, um, if I believe that like, you know, design should be shared broadly forever inside of a company, like, and if that ever stopped, I wouldn't want to work there anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, that's good to know. I should write that down somewhere, you know, and because that's actually how I'm making decisions and I should be like, again, intentional about it. Um, there, I read something once, I don't remember where they're talking about how um, people watch what you do and not what you say, you know? So yes. like, 
I, I know people who get up in front of their org and they're like, it's really important to take our time and just make sure we're shipping great products to customers. And then like two weeks later, like, why didn't we ship this yet? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they actually yes. send the email. Yes. It's like, why didn't this go out yet? And you're, you're like, well, no one's listening to your all hands presentation. <laughs> like they're listening to that. Like, and so you got to know what that is and own it and like write it down somewhere and be like, this is who I'm, I, again, understand yourself. Like, who am I? What do I value? Like, what would I quit a job over? What would I take a job for? Hmm. You know? And then like, that's it. You got it. Like though, that's the start anyway of like what those values would be. I, no, I, I absolutely love that. I think, you know, letting go of baggage helps sort of frame and clear perspective to see things as they are. I think, defining what those non-negotiables are and I love the different questions that you posed uh, are are in essence what you know what values are the things that are sort of immutable that shape how you how you do your work how you view your work Uh, and then I think your point about uh, the things that you consistently act on are often the things that you are and so it's you know I think even the simple reflection of going what are the things that people would just say that I'm, I don't change about like, right. That I'm just always doing that. I just habitually do. Oftentimes, you know, you can trace this back and go, huh, I think I'm, uh, you know, I'm actually pretty patient or maybe I'm impatient, but it's, it's the actions that, that reveal, reveal what you, who you are to your point. So I think, yeah. It's good to examine that. And like, you know, if you, you may not like that thing, right. It may be that like, like, Maybe I find out I, by doing that introspection, I am impatient, and that's not really a value. I maybe should, maybe you know, I know deep down that's bad. Yeah. Um, but knowing that that's even possible means that while I'm working on it, it's okay to receive feedback, and I'm more open to the critical, to being someone criticizing me about it, and I can say like, yes, that is true. Yeah. Like, there are times that I am impatient. That is one of my things that I have trouble with. Right. And like, I'm working on it. Right. Do you know what I mean? It makes you a Absolutely. lot more receptive, I think, to those Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And sometimes. Uh, what what is perceived as negative are in fact uh, you know positives as well. Being impatient being impatient can be a, a great catalyst for for getting things done and and having a sense of urgency and and just shipping things and, and not being you know held back by just things being perfect. And so I think either way, just figuring out like what is actually true instead of what you want to be true is, is helpful. Yeah, the fascinating thing to me, what I realized is I realized this a long time ago during a, someone was giving me critical feedback. Yeah, and. Uh, and I realized it was the exact opposite side of the positive feedback I was receiving. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, on the one hand, everyone at this company really loved how they could always trust that they knew what I was saying was uh, my actual opinion. Like, they liked that, like, when I said something, I was shooting straight. Like, yeah. they didn't have to worry. No bureaucracy, no politics, no bullshit. So then, like, the, but the opposite side of that was, uh, not everyone always wants to know what I think. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, like, hey. I have a lot of opinions. Right. But were they all useful? No. And so I think, like, I have noticed this in every – ever since then, every review I've ever seen for anybody, like, everyone's strengths are also what holds them back a little. Totally. Like, because it has – it just has that opposite effect just a little. And I think a lot of the work people do or should think about doing is, like – it's, like – you can't really change the, that that con exists. Like, it's not like I can change that, like, I'm going to have opinions about stuff, right? Sure. But, like, I, I can minimize the points at which that will be, that could be a negative. I can start to try to, like, hack my way around, like, I have an opinion, but maybe I just won't say anything because it doesn't seem that useful in this meeting. But if it is useful, I'll find out. 
like eventually. Right. <laughs> like, and then I can bring it there, right? Right. Um, but I feel like a lot of people feel like they are in this place where like, it's not, the feedback's not fair, right? Because mm-hmm. like, if I do that, then I can't be doing the thing that everyone loves about me, you know? And that's like, right. that's actually not true. It's, not it's true just like a lot about modulation and like trying to minimize your, the risky scenarios for your, the thing you're really good at. Absolutely. I, I think um, that that nuance and awareness that comes with understanding that your greatest strength is also many times your greatest weakness. It's I, uh, something I feel like I learn more and more as a leader is is so key, and to and to adjust, like you said, to to adjust and and not just say, oh, this is my strength, and I have to just go all in on it. So I think that's wonderful wisdom. Yeah. Well, you know, the saddest part is to go back to the first thing about like shortcuts and stuff. Like there is. Yeah. As a manager, is I found there is no shortcut to learning that. Like it is like <laughs> yes. a process that people must go through, and you can tell them as many times as you want that is what's happening, and they don't believe you. Yes. And then like eventually, it it becomes clear. You know what I mean? It's just like it's, it's just really it's like a. I think a lot of managers hope that they can progress the human condition by like helping people not do the dumb things that I did. Right. You know when I was like coming up as a designer, you can't do it. They still throw their hands on that stove, and they're like, God, it hurts. And you're like, Yep. Yep. That's no, I, that. I think uh, I mean, the most powerful way to, to learn anything, I mean, this is true of any skill, is, is just to do it and to actually yeah. to, to get burned yourself. And self-delusion is the most powerful fog. And so no one no one entirely eludes it, but we, we sure as can try. And I love the, the helpful tips that you shared on how to do that. So, Cap, thank you so much for for chatting with me today. It's It's been a blast to have no you. Problem. Totally. Cool. Thanks.